Whiskey Business is brought to you by the law offices of Saya and Pyatt and by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. When it comes to athletic prowess, I can't say convincingly that it's my strong suit, though I can attest to a, and I put it in quotations, what might have been moment from childhood. Intramural basketball in the sixth grade. I'd never played basketball, but it was the first ball of any kind that felt comfortable in my hands. I found I could dribble fairly well, And I had a keen eye, even in the sixth grade, for knowing when to pass the ball and unconsciously knew how to set a pick. But what was really remarkable was that I had a side court shot that was unbelievably accurate. And every time I was fed the ball and had that open shot, I swear to God, people, it went in. To this day, I can remember the small crowd in the gym cheering when they began to realize that the first couple buckets weren't a fluke. I couldn't explain it, but I kept draining them time after time after time. And when the game was over, the gym coach, who was also the basketball coach, invited me to try out for the team. I did. And as quickly as a dream was fostered, it was just as swiftly crushed. I was living with my grandparents at the time, my parents were living in Greece, and the permission slip to play had to be signed by my grandmother, who refused. Her overprotective nature and mission to keep me safe and sound while on her watch prevailed over any potential skill set that may have been in the making. Two years later, I was reunited with my mother, but the sports window had closed and had been replaced with books, film, and appreciation for sports, but never, never any more participation in them. Ah, people, what might have been. But then again, if that would have happened, maybe this path that we're on might have never been discovered. Welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. I am your could-have-been-basketball great host, (laughs) Tino Trifotis, and uh, we want to thank our sponsors, the law firm of Saya and Pyatt, located in Columbus, Delaware, Cleveland, and Mount Gilead. You can contact them at sblaws.com or 888-OVIOhio.com or call them at 614-444-3036. We appreciate them being with us uh in 2018 once again i think i think john saya had athletic prowess one of the i think he was a wrestler well and he uh, coached he talked about coaching his daughters right. uh, volleyball I think. right what about you hansbury did you have any athletic prowess y- you know i played football because it was the cool thing to do in you high played school football exactly that's what everybody says mm-hmm. i'm You're small now How, I, and this is probably the most i've ever weighed with this beer belly i'm like what position did five you play? eight I, w- I was a running back and a cornerback i went to a small little catholic school where they didn't cut anybody (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you know yeah uh i but one thing i i'm remiss as as, uh, baseball was my true love i wish i would have to your your point i wish i would have uh 
kind of stuck with baseball. Yeah. And um, what could but instead been? I've got I got into music yeah. and now radio See, you know and what? everything it's, else. It's all it's all a designated path. Yeah. I mean, I love the bo- I got into boxing as I got as I became an older adult and and uh, I really enjoyed that. I could have never boxed professionally or 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 even amateur, but as far as a skill set, you know, it actually became a pretty good workout and something that I that I, I learned to appreciate the sweet science. And it's fun as it were. Our guest bottle is a bottle of Calumet Farm Kentucky Bourbon Whiskey. This one's the single barrel, though. This one's 10 years aged and uh, a solid 90, 92 proof. And we'll talk more about the Calumet Farm and the special single barrel bottle. And our guest, speaking of athletic prowess, Hansberry, if there is a sport that at my ripe age of 58 that maybe, maybe I could still excel in, it might be an Olympic sport. Winter Olympics are getting ready to start, and that will also involve, uh, amongst many things, curling as well. And joining us today from the Columbus Curling Club is Jonathan Yardley. Jonathan, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. welcome. Glad to be here. How long have you been a curler? Six years now. Is that what they call them, a curler? Yeah, yeah call it curling, yep. Yeah, six years. Six years, yeah. So <clears throat> we got into it. Uh, we moved to Columbus, Ohio seven years ago. My wife dragged me out of warm sunny Florida. Uh-huh. Uh, we had no friends. So we uh, saw it on the Olympics like everyone does. I went to Google, found the Columbus Curling Club. A year later, because it's so popular, I was able to take my first lesson. And after that, I was hooked. And better yet, my wife was hooked more than me. You say, she, you say so popular. Is it? Is it popular? It's, it's, it's becoming, well, traditionally, it's not a very popular sport. It's a, a sport played in Midwest, Midwest, uh, USA, right? Because most people that play this sport are two types of people. You have your curlers that are grain farmers up in Wisconsin and Minnesota. What do you do in the wintertime? You drink beer and you curl. That's what you do up north. And then you have your kind of more elite people that you see on the East Coast, up and on the East Coast that are country club people. So they're golfers. Oh, oh. So golfers, snooty golfers, and then they and they start curling also. So, so, the, two, so, so the curling's gotten into the country clubs. Yes, yeah, the curling's gotten <laughs> in the country clubs, and it's way more expensive than us normal people can afford. So, I remember the uh, the, the team that uh, was in the Olympics, the last Winter Olympics, were a bunch of dudes from Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of dudes. They made it back this year. Uh, funny story, he got kicked out of boot camp. So we did so poorly in the Olympics last year uh-huh. that Columbus, the Curling Society of America got together and they said, we need to make better athletes. They put money into them. They got them from different parts of the country. So usually you get people out of your own club that you would know on the street and say, hey, you want to come in the Olympics with me? But they, the, the United States Curling Association formed new teams and they kicked out Schuster. They're like, you're too fat. You can't play. So he came back, what? got himself into shape, and beat everybody else and got himself back in the Olympics. He was too fat? Too fat you and too lazy. You can be too fat? Uh, you, should, you, should, be- you can Google Schuster. He's not. He, I'm a big guy. He's You're a big, big guy. guy like me. So, yeah. yeah he's it's an American hero. He's an American he, you know, hero. It's like he, the, the Tanya Harding yeah, story he, right he here. He cut himself down, and uh, now he's, he's playing better. And, you know, all these guys on the Olympics and women on the Olympics, they all have full-time jobs. So right. like yeah, it's like they they work at like sports goodings, sports goods stores. One guy's one woman's uh, an attorney, an insurance agent. So yeah, they're just regular people that love the game of curling. And now they're off to the now they're off to they're South off to Korea. Good. You're gonna need to talk to me like I'm seven years old okay. in respects of this sport. Yes, okay, because I've I do I'm fascinated with it mm-hmm. because I do find myself riveted. 
yep. watching this relatively slow game being played out during Olympics, and yet at the same time being completely captivated by it. Yeah, so it is, I, I would agree 100%, that's how we got hooked into it, um, is by watching it. But the problem with it, the game, it's strategy. Right? It's, it's, it's a skill set like golf, but strategy like chess. So we call ourselves chess on ice with, with skill. So like the point of the game is to score as more points than the other team. They have it into divide it into ends. So instead of an inning, it's considered an end. And one thing that we that people never see on TV because the way they the way they show it is every person throws rocks. So each is rocks. Rocks. So the the big granite stones are called rocks. Okay. Uh, those granite stones, interestingly, all come from the same quarry off an island of Scotland, and they have to be from that same quarry. Really. And a granite man makes them down into these rocks. They weigh between forty three and forty eight pounds. So these you, are the things with the handle. The things with the handle. Yep. That you, that, yep. that you that you just you spin them down. You, so the way it's interesting. So the way they curl and is that the the ice first of all is not it's not smooth like hockey ice. So it has a pebble to it. So if you can imagine someone with their garden hose that sprayed sprinkles of droplets in the air and it comes down and it looks like they're like a golf ball kind of texture to it. So when you throw the rock, you put a little handle on it. So you spin the rock one way or the other way and there's a lot of physics involved. We have a lot of physics players in the curling club. The physics of it, because the front end of the stone is slowing before the back end of the stone, the st- stone naturally curls. So, All right, what are the positions? The positions, on, yeah. On a curling team. So there's so there there's four people. So the first position is lead. So the lead person. That's, it's pretty simple. It's not ex, you know it's not super scientifically named uh, positions. So lead, <laughs> lead throws the first two rocks. And their, their, their position is to throw some guards. So you put them up in front of, so if you see on the TV, the bullseye, uh-huh. kind of, that's just for a visual reference. That actually has nothing to do with scoring. So just a visual reference, that's 12 feet is the, is the width of the circle. So you put the guards up in play. And then the second, and then the other team throws. So they alternate rocks. So one lead throws, other lead throws, other lead throws. So you get those people. Then the second, those are going to be to get some uh, stones into play behind other guards that you set up so you can't take them out and then vice and then skip so skip is the person that you see on the tv young and screaming sweep and making all the calls that's a skip like they're the boss of the team like skipper yeah like the skipper of the, like ship. the skipper yeah they yeah they make all they make all the decisions the strategic decisions and they make and they and they're i don't like that position because that position requires lots of skill because you need to make your shot. You could be. You need to get yourself out of a bad situation. They get called upon to make that, that shot. Wow! So, so they call. They call the game, and then they throw the last two shots. So. So skipper throws the last two shots. Yep. Skipper throws the last two shots. Wow. Okay. So, um, how do you get picked to be the person who actually hurls the stone or slides the stone or whatever you want to? What do you call it? Curl, curl the stone. Throw, throw the stone. Yeah, would be yeah. So I mean, does everybody get a shot at that? Yeah, every all those people, everyone gets you know a position, and usually you start newer people out is in the front of the front the front end. So the first two players, those shots are important, but not as important as maybe the skip stone is that needs to get in to get a point. Explain the, the whole sweeping broom thing. Oh, to the me. sweeping. So. We could be here on <laughs> physics for hours, which I won't bore the audience. Uh, but we've had an astrophysicist <laughs> on the show. Trust me, you're doing great. <laughs> so there's uh, there's uh, there's there's three or two theories now that talk about what happens to sweeping. So the basics of sweeping, if we're teaching sweeping, is that you are sweeping over where the stone is is being thrown, 
And if you imagine you're pushing really hard, you're sweating, and I sweat a lot when I sweep, um, like, and you're a big, bulky person, you are actually maybe melting the ice. Uh huh. So you're keeping the rock going longer, so further down the ice, so faster, and you're preventing it from doing its curl. It naturally wants to curl, so you're preventing it from curling because it goes straight. So you'll hear them yell, curl, or sweep, or sweep hard because sweep they hard. Yeah. because they want them. It needs to get around something, so it has to keep it going straight. So that's a very important position. It's as well. super important. Yeah, and, and they, they and they sweep furiously. Sweep furiously because you need to get it around things. You need to hold it in position. And one of the other newer theories is that we're actually scratching the ice and putting micro abrasions in the ice, and the rock is following the micro abrasions. So now we're getting very technical with sweeping and changing. So it's to actually let the let, let the stones speed up not slow down correct yes you're causing the rock to go further so speed up you can a good pair of sweepers can drag the stone about an extra four to five feet so and, wow. and when we when we release the stone we're we're looking in like like seconds like we we time all our rocks so we know how far the stone's going to go if you when you deliver the stone you just release the stone and your body weight carries it so you'd want someone not to throw it through out of play so if you go a little shorter then your sweepers can carry the stone to where it needs to go. Men and women play this sport. Men and women play this and sport. And do they yeah. play, do men and women, I can't remember if men and women play in the Olympics as well. Is there, an, is there a women's yep. curling so, team in the Olympics Yeah, as there's well? women's curling, there's men's curling, and for the first time this year it's called mixed doubles curling, oh, wow. which is a whole oh. new thing. Oh. Yeah, so that's, it's a little strange. Um, it's not traditional curling. They put a, they put a guard in play, and then you get four rocks to kind of throw the stones. Um, it's not something we commonly do, but it is a uh, mixed play. Well, I so. can see, you know, mixed play when you're, mm -hmm. when you're doing it for just the sports and yes. the leisure part of it. But when it gets down to serious Olympic competition. Yeah. So that it's called mixed doubles. And uh, this year, the, um, U.S. the U.S. Olympians are a brother sister combo. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now are uh, they the uh, Wisconsin cornbread or the? Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. They're, Coast. No, they're, they're, they're probably from Minnesota, Wisconsin. I don't actually yeah. know. They're, we, there needs they're to origin. be a, a curling Caddyshack. A movie? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised yeah. there hasn't been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, cur a curling uh, movie that that gets all body and and boisterous and and full of fun. It seems from the leisure point of view, mm -hmm. from the leisure, just from the fun. It seems like a, a sport that does lend itself to uh, boozing. Yeah, so it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, the curlers, so my wife and I uh, joke that we're glad we didn't know any curlers when we got married, because it would have cost us a lot more money at the bar. Oh, no so, kidding. yeah, we've, uh, so when we go to curling weddings and stuff now. Curling like, weddings? Yeah, you know, because we're, we're a family. It's a family. It's a club. It's a family, and we get invited to the wedding, and we've been known to drive some, bar, some, uh, some uh, wine, uh, bars up. Because dry them up. Dry them up. up. Yeah, drink them up. So, uh -huh. yeah. So, the, the curling, so the, the, the best thing, the etiquette of curling is the winning team buys the losing team the first round. Okay. That's, that, I, I'm it's very Canadian, that. right? Yeah, it's I very, like it's a very nice very thing proper. to do. Like, you just got your ass kicked and I buy you some beer. That's so, very proper. I like that. Yeah. And good at, sportsmanship. Good sportsmanship. And the, at the curling club in Columbus, we have, I think, over 50 beers. Uh, craft beers, and uh, we we have one of our bond spiels, which is called which is a tournament, and we call it uh, Beers of Columbus. So we have all the different brewers. We buy, of course, through distribution, but we get all the beers, and we and we call all the different levels of it the different breweries. And people come from all over across the country to come to Columbus for our for our tournament. Prior to this podcast, mm -hmm. I had no idea that there was actually a Columbus Curling Club, let alone uh, a facility dedicated to uh, mm -hmm. ice curling that you have in in my neighborhood. I live in Clintonville. Yeah. 
Yeah, we I live in we moved to Clintonville. We used to live in Pickerington because it was near our curling club. So, so you I mean, moved to Clintonville to be to be near the curling club. And wow. all, and, and most of the people live within five or ten minutes of the yeah. curling club. But yeah, so we are in an old warehouse um just off Silver Drive. And we uh we took the space. It used to be like a trucking warehouse or something, and we retrofitted it. So we put a bunch of uh coils under the ice like you would at the you know, any ice arena. And we chill our own ice down. And why it's super important, and we and we take pride in calling ourselves dedicated ice, is because nobody else does anything on the ice except for curling. And it's very important because the Zamboni makes big lines in the ice right. and causes grooves and stuff. And the ice has to be super level, dirt, even a flake of hair will affect the way the rock goes. It's called a pick. So you know, it's very important that we have our ice, our only our dedicated ice, and we have an ice man that volunteers a lot of time to take care of the ice for us. Wow! So everybody, so this is all a, a volunteer. Yeah, it's a volunteer. Everybody, sport, yeah. everybody pitches in to yep. take care of the place. Yeah, we are not like the country clubs. We're a five hundred one three C nonprofit that wants to get uh, wants to get out, wants to get curling out into the neighborhoods and into in the school systems, and it's. Uh, you have three sheets. I assume those are the. Yep, the, the sheets are what we. Yeah, the we, lanes of ice. Yep, the lanes of ice. Okay. Like bowling. Yep. Yeah, a warm room with a bar. Warm room with the bar. Yeah. yeah. Warm. Changing rooms for men and women. Yep. And logo apparel. Oh, yes, we have logo apparel. Yeah, so we have a couple, again, the, the sport calls people that are, that. well, they call people like me that just like to shut my brain down at night and just sweep. And it calls people that are really smart people, like architects and designers. So we have a couple designers that design our own logos and stuff. So uh, You mentioned uh, the... The physics yes. of it. You said, so you've got you've got smart people that, Very, yeah. that offer up opinions as to yep. Yep. Uh, the velocity of a sweep and so forth and so on mm-hmm. and how fast or slow it should go and, and have actually, have they actually made calculations and, and... Yeah, they make some calculations when we had some, uh, they wanted to know how level the ice is. We had a, a physicist that works for Battelle brought in like this special like sound wave machine <laughs> and it measured the dips and the flows in the ice and I was like, that that's great. Okay, but, that's yeah. okay. I just want to play. Yeah, yeah. I just want to throw the rock. I know the rock goes the wrong way there. So Is, is there, um, is, is there, does it go to a certain point or is it just whoever has the most points is so, it, or, is there, or do you play to a certain score yeah so you play to a, a certain end so usually it's in the olympics it'll be 10 ends or 10 innings mm-hmm. uh we for club play we play to eight or six ends depending on how much time right we're constricted by time uh-huh so. and what would a typical good match score look like so the the you when you have hammer so another technical what's, term what's hammer? hammer yeah so hammer is you're the person that throws the rock last uh-huh. so you have the advantage to and you hope when you have hammer to get two points and when you don't have hammer you hope to only let them have one so if you get into like you know you, most scores like eight to six or mm-hmm. eight to nine kind of like they're pretty close the only thing i can compare it to from from watching it and like i said i i watch it completely uneducated not really knowing what i'm watching and yet fascinated with what i'm watching is i play bocce yeah and, and you know and and in bocce sometimes you know the strategic move is is to knock a, another ball out, out of its point and and get closer to the Pauline. Um, and, and that's where I, I see sometimes some similarities in curling is that, you know, you've, you've knocked another stone, uh, out of the, uh, scoring position. Yeah. So that, yeah, those are, be called takeouts. Is what takeouts. We call, yep. Takeouts. And ideally you, ideally in, in club play, you, you make your takeout. And then at the higher levels, you make the takeout in the, in the, in the stone, rolls a certain way to get undercover to take two rocks out with one shot so then it gets really technical so 
on the Olympics, you'll see some triple takeouts, which Ooh. are pretty incredible things that I cannot, like you, there's a lot of geometry and physics of where these rocks are going to go. You get to hit it. So you're 140 feet away throwing the rock and to hit it in the like right billiards spot. billiards almost too. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Something yeah. Like, like similar to billiards. So will you guys as a, as a club now with the Olympics uh, fast approaching, uh, well, by the time this podcast drops, the opening ceremonies will have begun. For the Winter Olympics, will you guys all get together and and watch them? And are they on it? Are they on at respectable times? I, I don't know when they're on. Actually, they usually people will DVR them. We have a DVR. We have a, a little Canadian satellite dish, so we have everything recorded. Uh, we've been watching all the Canadian competition on TSN, which is hard to get here. Uh, TSN. TSN is their Canadian equivalent to ESPN. I see. And uh, you can watch. We can watch all the curling on TSN as much as you'd like. So, so is it the Canadians? You've, you've, that's the second time you brought yeah. up Canada. I mean, is it? Yeah, they're, they're or, origins. Yeah, and, uh, origins is Scotland, but Canada is huge. I think there's over three thousand clubs in Canada. Again, it's cold and dark. Sure. What else are you gonna do? Are they gonna be favorites this year? For, they usually uh, are. The Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Basically, all your your cold countries: Norway, Sweden, Canada. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I I don't recall. Have we won uh, Olympic gold? No, we have not. I think the closest we got was bronze. Bronze. Yeah. So that's why the U.S. Curling Association kind of got some money together and ponied up to try to get some athletes out of the deal and try to be a little more respectable. I see. Yeah. I see. So um, you you mentioned that you're you're, you're a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. So you find this, have have you found your, your niche? Your 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 yeah no I your calling my calling yeah no I really I really enjoy it I think the the best part um from uh from a club play perspective is that well is that you can most people any body type can play you have to have balance that's like probably some, uh, I'm out some <laughs> some, <laughs> some core strength and and some balance as <laughs> uh, you can play but there are there are senior teams so over fifty five plus there's senior men's teams that compete oh well, oh, well, no, yeah. well let's slow down now that would be me that <laughs> yeah. would be me I so would, you can, a lot uh, of things I qualify now yeah. before Hansberry you uh, could uh, you could AARP <laughs> discount. <laughs> You could you could partake uh, in the in the seniors, but yeah, there's senior men's and senior women's curling, um, and then there's even uh, some of as people get older, they get a little more frail and can't bend down. This stick curling, which isn't an Olympic category of curling, but you can use a stick to deliver the rocks. So that sounds have, like shuffleboard. Yeah, you're getting cl- closer to shuffleboard, so it's good for club play for them to, for to be, still be able to play the sport they love. You're also uh, you know you got a day job. Mm-hmm. You're, you're an assistant professor of veterinary medicine at, at the Ohio State University. Yes. Yeah. Is that why you came to Columbus initially? No, I came to Columbus for my wife. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was. How'd you uh, meet her? Uh, we met online back in 2007. Uh huh. So I was in Ocala, Florida, living with a bunch of old people and working on racehorses, <laughs> and my wife was finishing up her PhD at University of Florida. So we, she didn't want to meet undergrads. I didn't want to meet old people. So the internet matched us up wow yeah oh, cool so she finished her postdoc and needed a good job so she works at children's nationwide oh she well yeah. you know uh, yeah it's a pretty good place we're very uh uh we do the morning show here at mm-hmm. 795 and uh we're very connected to nationwide yep. children's hospital we've raised over close to five million dollars for them over the years with our our annual fundraiser yeah, so we have a a special place in our hearts for nationwide children. So she works at a great, yeah, she great does. hospital. Yeah, they, yeah, they. It's a wonderful facility, and they, um, they. She works in the mental health, so she's a psychologist. Uh, so they're kind of on the forefront of 
some of the things with the kids nowadays. So. And I know that they're building another uh, huge facility. Yeah, uh, Big Lots uh, made a huge donation for them. It's going to be the Big Lots Behavioral Health Center. Now. Yeah, so, that's going to be huge. It's going to be great, yeah. Add another be, add another jewel to the crown. Add another jewel to the crown to the area, and yeah, really needs it. So, so yeah, you, she she brought us here, and, and that's I've been in here since then. You're an assistant professor of yep. veterinary medicine, so you love animals. Yeah? Yeah. Love, yep. No, so I... Horses is my is my passion. Horses? Horses, yep. So I grew up riding horses in Massachusetts and worked at a racetrack uh, all through college uh, with a vet. So that's kind of like where my trajectory was going to be and, you know, life changes. And uh, so I ended up uh, doing horses, but in, in Midwest. Really? So, yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned horses because we're drinking Calumet Farm. It is interesting, yeah. Right? Calumet so Farm at, has good racehorses. They have yeah. really good racehorses. Yeah. And uh, since we're on this the subject, since it was a, the most comfortable segue I've ever made into nice. our guest bottle, that was pretty smooth. Walked Asbury. right into that one. <laughs> what do you think? We talked about the Calumet Farm, yep. the regular, the mm -hmm. regular on the shelf bourbon. Yep. Uh, this is the like I said, the single barrel, and it's a ten year. You like this one a little bit more? Yeah, I think this is uh, for its price point uh, a much better or much better tasting bourbon. Um, the the regular Calumet Farms is is good. Seems a little young to me, a yeah. little hot. Uh, this has a little more backbone to it, a little more vanilla to it. I, I do. Yeah, well, vanilla is definitely one of the things I, I picked up on. Also, um, it's a good sipping whiskey if you're a uh, if you're a, a fan of whiskey business and you like to drink your bourbon neat. And I know some people who drink it in no other way but neat, which is a mistake. It is a mistake. It I is mean, a mistake. I mean, you need the water to open the bourbon. You Thank need, there's, you, Jonathan. There's science behind. Thank you, Professor. <laughs> there's science behind pulling the alcohol particles apart to be able to have the taste. But if you are going to drink one neat, this would be a good one to drink yeah, neat. Yeah, it's not going to blow your it's face off. It's not going to blow your face off. It's, uh, it, might be, uh, it might be almost a little too timid for the more aggressive bourbon drinker, the bolder bourbon drinker, but... I'm a whiskey sipper. I, I just enjoy, you know, yeah. all kinds of bourbons and all kinds of flavors. And uh, it comes from Western Spirits uh, over there in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And these are the same people that put out a, a very popular whiskey right now called Bird Dog, which is uh, uh, gaining some attention in the whiskey. There's so many whiskeys. So many whiskeys. The, the market has exploded. Exploded. And how, it, how'd you come to like bourbon and whiskey? Uh, so um, I was in uh, San Diego. And I had uh, drunk a lot for about a week, and this is the home of craft breweries. Mm -hmm. On the plane home, I said, I, I, I got I to gotta stop drinking beer for a little while. <laughs> I'm going to give up alcohol for the month. And then the next bar, you know, next week we went out, and everyone's drinking, and I'm like, oh, I, I'll just get some bourbon, because I kind of like it, but not really, and I can sip on that. And then I was like, ooh, I, I really do like this. What was the first bourbon? Do you remember? Uh, it was Woodford Reserve. Well, that's so a that, good way to start. Yeah, it's a good way to start. <laughs> it's so a, That's a little highfalutin yeah. to start, actually. So that uh, that got me going into the into directory, maybe into the rabbit hole of bourbons. I, I have 70-something bourbons in my collection now, and I, I make bourbon woodwork out of barrels and stuff. So it's, do you I, really? Yeah, I love it. I, it's I love the industry. And Which barrels kind of, did you ever use? Which, what have you made stuff out of? Uh, so most of my display cases, I, I just, uh, Buffalo Trace barrels, Maker's nice. Mark, Jim Beam, uh, Wild Turkey, uh, and I have some Four Roses barrels. Nice. So, and you yeah. have all those whiskeys at home, I take it. I have all those whiskeys at home, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Four Roses collection with all the different yeast varieties and grain bills and stuff are pretty fun to taste all the different stuff. The professor so, knows his whiskey. I do like whiskey, so yeah, it is. So you uh, find does that is that what you do? I mean, are you one of those people that once you uh, once you 
develop a a like for something, you you dive in. I mean, it seems like you do that. You've did, did that yeah, with whiskey. Yeah, so you're doing yeah, it with curling, right? Yeah. So I, I guess it's a slight obsession to, mm-hmm. to 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 do it and do it well. I don't like to do anything not like I don't like to do anything half ass, right? Uh, so I just I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it well. I'm not gonna have two bourbons. I'm gonna have seventy of them until my wife tells me to, not to buy any more. Does your wife drink bourbon? No, she doesn't. That's a problem. Uh, so yeah, tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's a problem because uh, so we had to make a deal. So I I came across a uh, Pappy Twenty Three Year this year. And, For how uh, much? Uh, only four hundred. Get out of here! Yeah, I got how it. did you get it for four hundred dollars? Uh, through uh, it did because they sold it at what it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Right? I got it through a liquor store. Where my parents live in Massachusetts. Okay, so and that's the way my friend got a bottle of yep. a Pappy Twenty Three. I'm, I'm not paying two no. three thousand. Two stupid. three thousand for the twenty yeah. three. Yeah, keep uh, go go into go into double figures, yeah. my friend. So I made the I made the deal. I'd buy it for four hundred, and I wouldn't buy bourbon for five months. So I'm on a hiatus of the bourbon. Buying. That's that's. I that's, thought it was a fair deal. Yeah, that was a fair deal. So that's why I, he was so eager to jump at this opportunity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I opened. I opened it. I'm not holding on to it. I opened it. I share it with people that I'm the same that, way that appreciate bourbon. Not right. to, not to your average drinker, but right, right, someone right. that appreciates it. And you know, it's not as much as it's cracked up to be. No, personally, I, I mean, it was, I, the 23 especially. Yeah, in my opinion, it was. Smooth, I'm a huge but, fan of the Van Winkle. The the 12. Yep. I like the 12. I have a bottle of the old Rip Van Winkle still, uh, a second bottle that's not been opened yet, and I just recently checked the price point on that. I bought that one uh, when I did at the time for 135. It's going for a minimum now on the After secondary market, market yeah. uh, for 549. I'm like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. So. It's ridiculous, and I see the 23s, and I see, I mean, I when I say tens of thousands of dollars, and the folks at Van Winkle don't like the fact that it's that it's exorbitantly overpriced and and gone that way. They want people. They want to be able to sell it for what they sell it for. But now we are in such a place right now where so many great bourbons are being made. Yeah, that it's okay if you get a hold of some Van Winkle. It, it's it's almost like when when someone tells you like you got to see this movie. You got to see this movie. It's the greatest movie ever. And, you know, everybody's been telling you about this movie for like weeks. And then you go see the movie and they've built up your expectations so high that when you go in, you went, oh, well, yeah, it was good. But yeah, that's would, that's kind of what the would, yeah. Van Winkle's becoming yeah. on some levels because people get, oh, the Van Winkle. And sometimes I think that, they're, that they're, their psyche is is actually, that's the best whiskey I've ever had. Is it? Yeah. Well, is it? So I'm a big fan, uh, maybe because I'm a scientist, of blind, of blind taste testing. Mm-hmm. And I haven't blind tasted taste tested it yet but i am gonna put it in a blind taste test and to see if i really do like it better like you know some other good bourbon so you're gonna blind taste test yourself yeah yeah always yeah i have my wife she pours me three or four and i just blind taste test see if i can name it and then see what i like better like some of our parties we have will be <laughs> it's, like it's very shaky let's finish your story good <laughs> no we've had a couple of parties with people over and uh yeah that's what we do blind tasting and we'll have one one party a little out of control with 18 bourbons to try uh-huh. uh you know at the the 10th bourbon you're like yeah this tastes good now and you're like marking down stuff that's pretty bad yeah well hands so, very old well you yeah. shaking your head about the well the, yeah it was like dino's most proudest moment mm-hmm. for about a, a month he talked nonstop well, about I, it only because the, they thought they'd get me they, they poured him three shots blindly at the bar and he was able to name them but i didn't even taste them oh just by color and sight color and smell oh that's good 
Yeah. Color and smell. But he bragged about that for a while. That's something to brag about. Yeah. Like I, I yeah. won my own party. Like I, I brought the best bourbon. I bra- You get to brag about it. You know? a, I mean, you I, I did for I did yeah. for a minute because yeah. I, I said I don't because they had them in there and like there was like and I don't know. I actually said I don't know what this third one is, but it's from the well. It's from there. It's 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 your shit whiskey. Mm-hmm. When it was, uh, I, I think it was Old Crow is what it was. That uh, is pretty bad. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, in a pinch. Yeah. In a pinch. My favorite cheap bourbon, though, is uh, the Heaven Hill Bottle and Bond Collection. Uh-huh. So six-year bourbon, that's 50%. And it is, that is tasty for 10 or $12. Can't get it in this market. You got to go down in Kentucky. You got to go. Same thing we talked about yeah. it just uh, just last week. We talked about Very Old Barton. Mm-hmm. Another oh, one. Another very good, low, low, less expensive bourbon. Less expensive yeah. bourbon, but great bourbon. Great bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. We, we kind of preach that uh, mm-hmm. as much as possible, that there are so many good bourbons that you can get that are under $50. And there's so many great bourbons in the 25 to $30 bracket that, you know, you don't have to break the bank in order to get good bourbon. No, not at all. I think that's the problem is people get, people get scared of the prices of some of the things that they see on the shelf that are not really even that good. Right. Or, you know, they're not even distilled by them. They're you know, they're bought out of uh, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Right. We're, you know, a warehouse. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is, it is, I think that it is a shame that some of the people are getting in for marketing purposes now and people are getting sucked into it. If I wanted to get into curling and uh, be serious about it, yeah. is it expensive? So it's not expensive at all. So uh, to get into curling, um, well, to say let's, the Columbus Curling Club, because they know our, our, our price structure. So we have, um, $25 to do the initial lesson. And then when, if you really like it from there, you can commit to five more lessons for a hundred dollars mm-hmm. and that's going to get you ready to go into the leagues. And if you really like it from there, then you can join the club and the full year membership is, I believe last year it was, uh, and that's for six months of curling. So we curl October to March, April-ish. And as far as, uh, equipment, equipment. Yeah. So equipment. You don't need anything to start, um, but and towards the end, uh, once you get better and you really you really like it, you'll uh, start with some some shoes. Would be a good uh, good place to start. Some these special shoes. Yeah, special shoes. Oh, yeah. oh here we go. Special, special shoes. shoes. Like, yeah. Orthopedic. No, they are. We brought some. He's got uh, special shoes. Hansberry. These are my curling shoes. Uh, it, so, I got drinking okay. shoes. <laughs> I got blue suede shoes. So, so curling oh, shoes. They, so I, they do look like orthopedic shoes. Yeah. They do look like so orthopedic will, shoes. Uh, I'll describe these a I little. I think my so. mother would love those. Yeah. So the rubber on the bottom here is, is made for the cold temperatures. So it's unlike a sneaker rubber where this is it has grip still to it. Okay. And then the part that's super fancy is the sliding part. Oh, So that's wow. a quarter inch Teflon slider. Nice. So that's how you slide out of the hack. And this is your lead foot. And this is what's really important. And you can spend a lot of money. Some people make them out of titanium. The, forget so. the picture of the bottle this week. Get, yeah. get a picture of the shoes this week, Hansberry, okay. for, the, for the website. Yeah, so, yeah. That, so that's one. The shoes cost you anywhere from 100 to maybe 250 250 Max yeah. out of 250 think, yeah, for like top of the line? Top of the line. These were 250 yeah. And then a broom. So to sweep with. A broom. A broom. A special sweeping. broom. Special broom, yeah. They're special heads and... They're made out of uh, carbon fiber. Where does one buy a curling broom? Uh, there's a couple. Curling. Can I go to Dick's? You cannot go to Dick's. Uh, <laughs> you can go to, uh, there's a couple, there's a guy, uh, Steve's Curling in Wisconsin. There's brooms up in uh, uh, Connecticut and then in in 
Canada, you can go to like Canadian Tire, which is your equivalent of like Walmart, and you can buy <laughs> you stuff. Get them everywhere there. Yeah, you can get them everywhere. Is it? Are the bristles like rubber? Or no, they, it's a uh, it's a it's a nylon kind of mesh. Um, and and one of the uh, one of the things that's happened in curling is that the technology has gotten has gotten too far in advance, and we they were starting to use some fibers that could actually change the direction of the stone. Oh. and that's going kind of against like what we're about for curling. So the U.S. Curling or the United States or the Federal Curling Association got involved, and now all the broom heads have to be a yellow fiber made out of one lot, and they have to get specially assigned to them. So to it's gotten really technical, and there's wow. YouTube videos of people actually changing the way the, the the rock would curl. They used to use horsehair brooms, and those can like get the thing to change direction, probably because they're putting dirt on the ground. Who knows? And the rock goes the wrong direction. So yeah. Is it like bowling where you have your own weighted rock and you no. carry around in a case and Yeah, so all the all the rocks are belong to the club. They're about oh, okay. they cost between, you know, five hundred and a thousand dollars. And they're wow. forty eight they're forty eight pounds. So you're not gonna be calling your own your yeah, own rocks your own around hole, with you. So, your own rock with yeah, you. but each rock has your its name own engraved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, each rock has its own characteristic to it, which is unique. Uh, I guess it's kinda like a bowling ball. Like it so does no, certain things and no rock the same. No rock's the same and they, they'll play differently. Some will cut, some will glide more and and when you have a tournament or a bond spiel at, in your home ice, you, that's your advantage is you know you know where there's spots in the ice that aren't completely level and you know how those rocks are gonna handle. So it's uh, it, there's like there's a lot that gets into it beyond just the club level. So you do it now for the fun and for the social aspect yes. of it all. Do you have any any Olympic aspirations? Uh, uh, I have. Have, have, <laughs> you dream, have you dreamed? Do you have you thought to yourself, honey, maybe someday that could be me? Uh, maybe in the seniors. <laughs> oh, they, in the seniors. <laughs> yeah. No. I no. There's no. there's way there's way better people than me. I just I just do it for the fun of it. So um, there's some people at our club. We have a, we have a juniors program. And those are the kids that can do it. Like they've been curling, their parents curled, and they get the the kids involved in high school. And those are the kids that are, will make. That's the future. Like, that's the future. Yeah, not not a thirty six year old guy that, uh, you know, thirty six. Thirty six. Yeah. Thirty six. Come on. I still have dreams. I'm going to be fifty nine. <laughs> Don't tell me that, Jonathan. Dream big. Uh, I'll 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 dream about whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's tell people before we uh, before we wrap this up yep. how they can contact uh, the Columbus Curling Club and get more information if they're interested in this. Um, and uh, if you wherever you're listening to Whiskey Business, if this sounds like something that might be cool, maybe you know Google it in your neck of the world and see if it's something you could be. It sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like something I may have to try again. I think I did try it once. But I may have been too drunk to remember how it went, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, so we're the uh, Columbus Curling Club, uh, dot com. Uh, you can just Google us, Columbus Curling Club. There are five or six curling clubs uh, in Ohio alone, and there's curling clubs popping up all across the country, Arizona, Florida, Tennessee, North Carolina. So they're out there. You just got to Google them. And uh, the, everyone has a, what we call a learn to curl. So during the Olympic year, we'll have two weeks off where you guys can Google us, sign up, $25, and, or maybe it's 30 this year, and come out and live your dream and throw a rock. And uh, if that's all you want to do, that's fine. We just want you to get, get the experience to do it. Can I just 
Come and hang out at the bar. Bar sounds awesome. Yeah, you can come hang out at the bar. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> it sounds nicer than some of the bars I've been to. Thirty craft beers. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, kidding, thirty right? craft beers and some whiskey. Oh, we go some... to Jonathan's house. He's yeah. got. He's got. <laughs> yeah. He's got almost. He's got as almost as many as I do. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, no kidding, man. Beautiful. All right. So uh, our guest has been uh, Jonathan Yardley, assistant professor of veterinary medicine at the Ohio State University, but more importantly for tonight's podcast, curling enthusiast. And thanks, man. I mean, you, you, you laid that out nice and simple and uh, easy to understand. If I got it, anybody else is listening should be able to get it. That's my, that's my litmus test right there. If I can understand it, anybody can. And the guest bottle has been Calumet Farms Kentucky Bourbon Whiskey, the single barrel, the 10-year, which we agree. Yeah, it's very tasty. We like better than yeah. just the regular old regular, Calumet Farms yep. is up on the shelf. So yeah. maybe spend the extra money. It ranges somewhere between forty-six ninety-nine and in the 50s somewhere. So it's on the bubble as far as the price point for what we like on whiskey business whenever we can get it. But check it out. It's definitely a good sipping whiskey. I think you'll enjoy it. Like I said, it might not be uh, bold enough for some of you more you know, hot bourbon drinkers who like their stuff. And and for those of you who are always drinking it neat, bend a little bit. Do you hear me, Billy DeMora? Mm. Bend a little bit and put some ice in your in your drink whenever it calls for. Also want to thank our sponsors, the law offices of Saya and Pyatt, located in Columbus, Delaware, Cleveland, and Mount Gilead, with 100-plus years of collective experience and a reputation for results. You can contact them for a free consultation today. Award-winning lawyers at sblaws.com or 614 444 Three zero three six. I'll wrap it up by saying what I always say: uh, Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production, recorded with the cooperation of the Columbus Radio Group. All the opinions are of me, your host, Dino Tripodis, and my sometimes reluctant guests, and are never meant to uh, offend, only to educate. Big education tonight, Hansberry. Uh, inform and and whenever possible entertain. So, my friends, until the next bottle, see ya. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access.